God is all-powerful and full of love, like the Bible claims, what is he doing to solve the problem of evil? Our world is plagued with pain and suffering, and all of life is eventually spoiled by death. But are pain and death foregone conclusions? Is there a solution to the problem? In this episode, we examine how the Bible positions the death of Jesus as God's ultimate answer to the problem of pain. Hi, this is Jerome. And this is Grant. Welcome to Reconciled, our podcast where we explore how Jesus finds us where we are, wherever we are, and leads us to where we need to be. Welcome back. You're tuning in for the third part in our series on the problem of pain. If you haven't had a chance, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to episodes one and two. In episode one, we cover the logical implications of different worldviews and how they address the existence of pain and suffering. And in episode two, we talk about the origin of evil in the Bible, which looks in more detail about how evil enters into the biblical story. Today, we're going to start to expand on two of the principles that we highlighted in those discussions. So Jerome, how do those come into play? Yeah, we talked about the goodness of creation and God's commitment to justice. So the idea is there that God originally created the world good, and we've made a mess of it, but God is also committed to setting things right someday. And we talked about how the resurrection of Jesus was God's first act of renewing creation and setting things right. So last time we alluded to how Jesus defeated evil, how he crushed the head of the serpent was the way that you referred to it as, Mm -hmm. but died in that process. So the question is, how does the death of one man almost 2,000 years ago defeat evil? People die every day. The Romans crucified a lot of people. But the Bible claims that something special, supernatural even, happened on the cross. So what makes his death so special? Well, to understand what makes Jesus' death special, we have to understand what makes his life special. And to do that, we've got to go back to the beginning and tell his story. Okay, so Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Yeah, but we've actually got to go back even further than that. I mean, back to the very beginning, like the beginning of creation itself. Okay, so we're going back to Genesis 1-1, the in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? Yeah, and the Bible claims that Jesus was there. He has no starting point. In the Gospel of John, he begins his account of the Gospel by saying, in the beginning of creation, Jesus was with God, but that he also was God. Okay, so I'm going to stop you right there because you've you've talked about this before, but I think we probably need a refresh. Uh, So how can you be with a person and yet simultaneously be that person? Yeah, this goes back to the first episode, to that idea of, complex unity, the oneness of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So Jesus, the Son, is one with the Father, but is also distinguishable from the Father. He was there in the beginning, and all things were created through him. So the universe belongs to Jesus, and Jesus holds it all together by his power. But one day, when the time was right, according to God's eternal plan, which we talked about before, he voluntarily became something he was not. Okay, and that something is human. So now we're to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Yes, and Paul says that in Jesus, the fullness of God, all that it means to be God, dwelt in bodily form. This was something completely new, totally unique to Christianity. The creator himself 
steps into his creation and is created. So Jesus is God in a human body. You know, I think the way that our minds work through this is that for us, divinity and humanity, those are mutually exclusive things. But you're suggesting they coexist in the person of Jesus. Right. And so with that, it begs the question of, you know, one, how do we wrap our minds around that? And two, why did he do it in the first place? Yeah, well, for your first question, I'm not sure that we totally can wrap our minds around it. But why did he do it? Well, this is what makes Jesus's entrance into the world good news. He chose to do this. He chose to lower himself. He chose to identify with us in the deepest, most intimate way possible by becoming one of us. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He he left a perfect heaven for an earth that was broken with evil and suffering. He voluntarily took on all the limitations of a human body so that he could experience firsthand what it means to be human. To quote the Apostle Paul, he says that though Jesus was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped or a thing to be held on to, but he made himself nothing. He poured himself out, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of a human. So if Jesus became a fully human being, does that mean that he was subject to everything that we go through, the pain, the hunger, temptation, sadness, all of those deep experiences and emotions? Exactly. Yeah. Part of the reason for his becoming human in the first place was to experience suffering and pain directly. And that personal experience means that he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses as humans. He knows exactly what loss feels like because he experienced it. He knows exactly what rejection and and loneliness and even death itself, he knows what that feels like because he went through all of those things himself. So though Jesus enjoyed, you know, plenty of moments of joy and celebration and happiness, his life was really characterized by sorrow and and grief. So the poem from the Apostle Paul we just quoted from, it goes on to say that Jesus being found in human form humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So you can't get much more involved than God binding himself to humanity in human form in order to suffer with us. But there are a lot of people that still have questions about whether or not God exists and whether or not he cares about human suffering and pain. So are you saying Jesus is the answer to that? Yes, that's the Bible's answer. Jesus is the ultimate example of God's love and of human suffering because he truly suffered as an innocent human. And that's not always the case with us. I mean, sometimes we suffer because we just make really bad choices, but that's not the reason for Jesus' suffering. He lived as a perfect human being. He was tempted to sin just like we are, but he never gave in to the evil one. Instead, he trusted God and he showed us that there's a new way to be human, which was really the way that God always intended it. So God became human to teach humans how to be human? Yeah, it's like in Jesus, God is showing us what being human is all about. 
in the beginning, we were created in God's image, but we often reflect that image so poorly by the choices that we make, how we treat each other, how we think about each other. Well, Jesus reflected God's image so perfectly that the Hebrew writer calls him the radiance of the glory of God. That's like saying he is the shining of the light. Jesus is to God as the rays of light are to the sun itself. He goes on to say, Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature, like a perfect impression of God's heart and his character stamped into the soft clay of a human. So Jesus is what we were all created to be, but failed to be truly human. But that truly human life is not necessarily a life free of pain and suffering. Unfortunately, not in this broken world that we're living in the world that Jesus came into. That's why Jesus's life gives us a pattern to follow when we experience pain and suffering. Peter, he says in the Bible, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example so that we might follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, He did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So instead of fighting fire with fire, Jesus dealt with suffering by refusing to retaliate against the people who hurt him. Is this him practicing the biblical idea of turning the other cheek? Right. And that teaching is uh, more than just a refusal to retaliate. It's not just about being someone's doormat and, you know, curling up in the fetal position and letting people walk all over you. No, what Jesus did is he met evil with self-giving love. You know, though people were trying to take his life, Jesus made it clear to his disciples that nobody could take his life, that he was actually laying it down himself. He viewed his own life as a gift to be given to others. His death then was the culminating act of God's love that would heal all the pain and suffering in the world. It really was a brand new way of being human. Okay, so at this point, we've, we've made it to his death. We've made it to the cross. But I still have the question, because like I said before, crucifixion was common in the Roman Empire, and Jesus wasn't exactly the first person to give his life for the people that he loved. So we're back where we started. You know, what made his death on the cross so unique? Right. So this is why we laid that groundwork. So Jesus was never infected with the disease of sin. So his life was so pure, so holy, that it actually had the power to completely cover sin and lift its curse from the world. Don't forget who Jesus is. He's a God as a human, and he gave his life. So in that act of giving his life, Jesus was mending the rift between all of creation and God. He was reconciling all that sin had estranged from God since the beginning in the Garden of Eden, including ourselves. So wherever there was enmity or division, what God is doing is making peace by the blood of the cross. And even though we are guilty of contributing to the brokenness and the division of the world through our bad choices, we can be forgiven we can be reconciled in his body by his death. So somehow the body of Jesus is where sin and evil 
are dealt with and we can be brought back to God. Does that make him like a human bridge to heaven? Yes, because when Jesus was crucified, his body was suspended between heaven and earth, between God's space and our space. And if you remember from the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, sin drove a wedge between those two spaces. So in the body of Jesus, he's taking that spiritual barrier out of the way to join us together with God again. Peter, again, to quote him, he puts it like this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. It sounds like Jesus took our place, like he died the death that we deserved. Yeah, he died our death so that we could live his life. Because, of course, none of this makes any sense without the resurrection. These are all wonderful things that Jesus did for us, but they wouldn't have any real effect if he remained in the tomb. You know, our faith would be in a corpse. So is that what Paul means when he says that if Christ had not been raised, your faith is empty and you're still in your sins? Yes, the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ are a package deal. The sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross dealt with sin, while the resurrection of Jesus dealt with death. Think of it this way. The crucifixion was the absolute worst the world could do to Jesus. And though it killed him, in that death, he actually turned evil back against itself through his resurrection. He took the devil's most powerful weapon, sin itself, and he neutralized it. Now the tyranny of death no longer reigns over us in Jesus. Okay, so this sounds like kind of like a divine judo type of move (laughs) where you're taking your enemy's energy, you're turning it back on him. So death is now swallowed up in the victory. Exactly. In the cross, Jesus, he transformed all evil, human evil allied with satanic evil, with the devil's evil, and he absorbed it and he defeated it on the cross at the same time. And yeah, he was crushed under the weight of sin, but in the process, he transformed the very powers of evil that killed him into the agents of his victory and their own defeat. It was like he was luring sin into a trap on the cross and the cumulative density of evil and sin in all of its forms and all of its manifestations and all of its ways that it comes out, pain and suffering and hatred and injustice and sickness and viruses and death were drawn into his body as he died on the cross. But when he died, it's like he passed a sentence of condemnation onto sin itself. He judged it there. And then on the third day, Jesus is raised. And we talked about this last time, that the resurrected body of Jesus was the first tangible sign of a new creation pointing to God's future. Right. The victory over evil and death has already been won on the cross. So now that we're living on this side of the cross and the resurrection, we're released from the fear of death and we're free to live in hope for God to finally set things right and rid the world once and for all of evil and death. Now, Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection are what gives substance to that hope. And It's extremely practical, too, because when we view the world this way, when we trust in God's promises to set this disjointed world right again, we can actually endure pain and suffering because we know it's only temporary. 
And again, when we view it in that way, according to the biblical story, we even learn to rejoice in our suffering, not because we enjoy pain, not because it's pleasant, but because through trusting in God through it all, it can actually shape our character. But we'll save that for the next episode. Today we focused on the power of Jesus' ultimate act of self-giving love on the cross. We're waiting for that future day when that victory over evil, which was won in principle on the cross, will be won in practice when Jesus returns to set things right. In the next episode, we'll discuss what we can do in the meantime. How does faith in Jesus practically help us endure suffering today? And what place does pain have in the life of a Christian? We hope you'll join us next time, and if you have a chance, please subscribe. Thanks for joining.